Oh, look, man. I've got this uh, little, I've got this little thing. It says clap on it. All right. <laughs> so that's how I'll clap for this one. Okay. Okay. And I'll make <laughs> the same got? noise with my hands. Okay. This is Ringo 50th side two. Ringo, Ringo. Ringo, Ringo. Ringo, Ringo. Three, two, one. Untitled Beatles podcast. Perfect. We nailed That'll it. That'll sync up. We've done things with time code before. <laughs> Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony. I'm TJ. Another week of big NFL action here in the States. Hey, P3Z Nuts, tell us who's winning. Well, our podcast is released on Saturday morning, so there's nothing I can say that won't be at least a week old. So, maybe the Lions won? Come on, guys. What are we even doing here? TJ, man, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, this is one of the... My mom gave this to Aww. me for Christmas. But it's the Beatles gearbook, man. The Andy uh, Babayak. I think that's how you say it. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. But this was one of my favorite Beatles books of all time. It's a big one. It's 400 pages. It tells you every little detail about all the gear that they've used uh, on their uh, Beatle records. And there's some amazing stories. Just the story about George's... Uh, Red Les Paul getting stolen and recovered, all that. There's some good stuff in there, man. Highly recommended. Well, you know what real Beatle fans say, Tony? Hmm. Less Paul, more John. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. As a John guy, thank you. Because <laughs> it is a war. We, we love the Beatles, but we love one of them more and the other ones fuck them <laughs> that's what they say war is over parentheses unless you're talking about your favorite beetle if you want yeah. it if you want it that book looks awesome that is one thing i don't know much about are the gear that's used you you are way more of a beetle gearhead uh, gearhead's basement you're way more yeah. that guy than i am yeah, I'm like you're a little bit like how you are with the different uh, pressings and all the different, you know, the serial numbers and all that, that crazy shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fab and gear. It's fab and gear. Yeah. Now with this book, now I will know just by looking at it, which Hoffner bass Paul's playing. Uh, you know, I can tell like, oh, she's either playing this, his first one, the 61. Or the second one that he got in 63, based on where the pickups are on the guitar. Cool. Thanks for taking us down to Gearhead's basement. <laughs> yeah. Right. Smells like weed and Cool Ranch down here, man. <laughs> yeah. Not even Doritos. Like, ranch has been refrigerated. It's Cool Ranch. It's cool. Yeah, it's ranch that's been cooled and socks that have been balled up. Um <laughs> It is the Untitled Beatles Podcast. We will talk about side two of the Ringo album. However, it's the uh, it's the end of the month, TJ, and we have yet to acknowledge our Star Club members. Yes. Shall we do that? Yeah, you're a star fucker, star fucker, star fucker, star fucker, <laughs> star. So why don't you do it? Star star George Harrison, Glenn Kay, Matt Kuharski, Beetle Dave, Susan from Baltimore, Bert Chai, Joanne S., David S. from Chicago, Max Como in Montreal, Matt Meyer from Spring Hill, Tennessee, Mick B. from Minnesota, Nowhere, Doug Tabor, Stephen A., Mary Kate, Skyler, Mr. D. Sticker, Michael S., Cat V. from Minneapolis, Anthony P. in Portland, Terrence D., Dave B., Steve T., Mark Guarino in Chicago, Steve L. from a little town in Indiana, Robbie 2 Electric Boogaloo, and our brand new Star Club member, Russell B., Star fucker. <laughs> oh, now Russell B. That's how Paul ends with it being concert. He goes, Oh, now let it be. You were great. You were great. You were woo. You were great. You were great. Woo. <laughs> That's a Jew, but it makes me laugh so much. You were great. You were great. You were great. Woo. Oh, it's very little Richard. It is. That's what he's doing. <laughs> 
That's hilarious, man. Thank you to everybody who supports on Patreon. Thank you. You don't need to support us there. Just the fact that you listen and download. If you leave us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts, we're very grateful. According to producer Casey, who we haven't thanked in a couple episodes. I know, man. Sorry, sorry producer Casey. We, You know how much we value you. And in fact, care to respond, producer Case? No, I really don't have anything to add there. No snark. No nothing. I know you guys appreciate me. Tony even wrote and recorded an entire song about all the things I do for the show. How'd it go? Casey Baker produces the show. <laughs> you call him Case? Wow. You guys must be tight. Well, he and I have a different relationship than you two do, but it's fine. Huh. You didn't miss anything in his birthday trip. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys go to Spain? I heard you guys went to Spain. Amaria, yeah. Amaria. <laughs> <laughs> What's that Jim Croce? My, my Jim Croce parody song about John Lennon and Brian Epstein's trip to Spain. That's how he won the war. That's <laughs> also where uh, Ringo filmed Blind Man. He's a man with no eyes, with only one thing on his mind 50 women, 50 mail order brides. One man has a contract, and he's gonna deliver. I want my 50 women. Which is like an impossible movie to, to view. It's it's never been released on DVD or video, even video cassette or anything. Yeah, but it's a great B-side. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, Ringo. Ringo, Ringo. Shall we pick it back up where we were? Yeah, do we need to do a previously on last week's Untitled Beatles podcast? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do one of those. Today we're going to cover side one of this album, Ringo. For all you young pitchers out there, it's the end of the world as we know it. I think it's a great album. I do think it's Ringo's best solo album. Work on not being so nasally stipe. Yeah, we're a little late, TJ, in celebrating its 50th anniversary, but better late than never. Mike Mills, I think you're a great mid-level bassist. Well, we'll save all that artwork and packaging talk for our side two episode. That's a teaser, TJ. But back to Michael Stipe. Oh, the Beatles mean nothing to you? Then why are you covering number nine dream? How's your 24 so far, man? Uh, it was good till I violated my one resolution, and that's to be nicer to R.E.M. in 24. It's fun in the middle. We've never done it like here before. No. <laughs> All right. Well, TJ, uh, before we go track by track on side two, let's talk about the artwork, the packaging, all that. This is actually an album. I do not own this album. I've never owned this album. Get out of the show. <laughs> and into my car. Get in the backseat. <laughs> Uh, it is a beautiful album. I've got two copies of this on vinyl. This is an original album. Oh, you can just give me one then. Thanks, I don't man. part cool. with things from my collection unless you see me on Discogs. Want a Magical Mystery Tour 8-track that may not have been playable since 81? $50. Uh, <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> that's great. No returns. No surrender. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful album. Uh, this is the original Gatefold, an American Apple pressing. It's got all the cool stars the inside. Okay, so you open it up, the Gatefold, and it's it's like two kind of spotlight-looking things and a bunch of stars and some clouds. Yeah. And that's it. There's no information. Well, it comes with... There's no inner sleeve, but a beautiful, beautiful book of lyrics and credits. Nice, nice. Now, I will say, man, I was in Maine in October and I saw this at a record store used. I think it was an Apple copy. And yeah, I saw this insert. It had this this big booklet in there. 
I almost picked it up. I just didn't. I almost did. It was only like eight bucks or something. I really should have done it. Yeah, wh- why would you buy Ringo's best album? You don't do a Beatles podcast. <laughs> you know what I did, though? Remember, I, I did buy a Pete Best album. <laughs> you, told, you totally did. That's your Letterman bias showing. Again, Team Leno over here. I like cars and dead bad jokes. I also bought an Andy White album and a Shub Dubs <laughs> CD. <laughs> Uh, should should I buy this Ringo album or this Thelma Pickles karaoke track? <laughs> yeah. Thelma Pickles live in South Dakota. <laughs> I think she moved to the States, I think, or Canada. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Same thing. Canada's America. It, it will be when I'm in office. Oh, there goes Max Como dropping off her. Max. Say Como now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great, great inner booklet and two things they did really nicely. The original CD pressing of this replicates the booklet. It's so funny. The CD is 91. Magical Mystery Tour and CD was 88 and they didn't have any of that original booklet. And just a few years later, you get the whole Ringo booklet. It's very silly how shoddy the Beatles CDs were from 87, 88 to yeah. 09. Yeah, they held back, man. They held back. They gave you little, they gave you numbers that had squares around them. Right. And then the title of the song next to the square. Right. And chopped up <laughs> artwork in the, in the back yeah. cover. Yeah. Such garbage. Yeah, it was terrible. To think that that wasn't corrected till 2009 is insane. But what yeah. I want to recommend, Tony, if you can find this, they put out, I'm not even sure if it's a remaster, but they did a 180 gram vinyl of this in 2017 that i bought and of course it's got the universal logo on it it's <laughs> apple capital universal on one album it's very funny to me but and the 7-eleven logos on there too somewhere well it's 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 white hen because that's funnier <laughs> when you run out run out to white hen when you run out of anything run out to <laughs> the, the original booklet that came with it, the replica of it is on heavier stock paper. If you can find this 180 gram 2017 reissue of this, it sounds great. The booklet's awesome. I think I got it for 25 bucks a few years ago, so it was not exactly a pricey thing. But yeah, tell us yeah, tell us about guess, the packaging. Right. I mean, what what has your homework shown about the design of this record? I did do some homework, man. So I learned that originally the cover was going to be a black and white line drawing by Klaus Vorman. Revolver, right? Might have looked like Revolver. Yeah, man, it looked cool. It looked kind of like a Mad Magazine drawing. So there was like, you know, some humor involved. Anyway, it ended up being a guy named Tim Bruckner, who, TJ, man, he was a jeweler's apprentice in Beverly Hills and got the gig kind of like kind of shoved himself through the door. Now, your dad was a jeweler, right? He was, yes. Did he ever have an apprentice? I'm just curious. No, I think he wanted a sorcerer's apprentice. <laughs> I don't have a better joke. Now. Let me try that again. Three, two, one. No, before he died, he did say what an asshole Trump was. That's a true story. So I think he fucking hated The Apprentice. The Apprentice. <laughs> he did what last thing my dad said is, what an asshole. Like, yes. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yes, so. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the album cover, there's a bunch of people in the background. 26 of them are portraits in the balcony, and the rest are people that uh, Tim Bruckner invented. The cherub sidekick was added later in the process. The cherub seemed like a natural extension of that part of his character, said Tim. Funny and a little mischievous. And TJ, I don't know if you know this, but uh, there is a, a one-of-a-kind collector's box set of this album coming out. It's $4,000. It comes in a bronzed cherub's diaper. <laughs> so look for that. <laughs> <laughs> on Ringo's website it's if you order from there it's soiled that's <laughs> soily the live McCartney track but soiled oh 
there is a, a Latin motto that's in there. Do it on Monday. Do it on which, Monday, which is <laughs> which so funny. Do, do it on Monday. I want to say that's a Nielsen thing, right? I, I thought I read somewhere that was like a Harry Nilsonism. I think he named an album with that title, but I don't know if it was before. It might have been after that Nielsen named his record after that. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So Tim Bruckner later designed the average white band logo. So there's another Ringo connection. Mm-hmm. He did the prosthetic elephant nose for George Clinton. Excuse me. Uh, he also did this live action animation film. Never got made. But there's like a 13 second clip of it on YouTube. It's called Harry and Ringo's Night Out. Yeah. And it's totally fun. I think they, uh, you know, they did a little look-see to see if they could get investors and go further with it. And that's all that's all you get. That would have been 70s Broad Street. These two drunks. <laughs> right. I mean, it's probably like whatever that Son of Dracula movie is, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's probably that vibe, but, you know, more indulgent. Kind of like what we do, TJ. A little bit. <laughs> Wasn't Harry Nelson supposed to be Barbara Bach in Caveman? <laughs> zug, zug. <laughs> zug, zug. <laughs> All right. Zug, zug. Tony, we always talk about the issues and the reissues of this. The only time Ringo was reissued on vinyl from the original pressings through the 2017 180 gram reissue, they did away with the gatefold, I think, in 1980 and put it on Capitol's green budget line. Oh, right. And the back had all the credits and all the titles. All of a sudden, there was no book and there was no um, gatefold anymore. But this dropped out of print, like even when they were issuing records on the purple manufactured by Capital, the small purple Capital labels in the right the late eighties. Those sound pretty good. Yeah, those last, like the last Beatles pressings. This never got it. The records that were kicked down to the budget line, which was the Green Capital label, never got the benefit of one last mastering for vinyl. So the last copy of this you could find on vinyl was like 81 or 82 in the States and then not again till 2017. This is one of the biggest selling albums of 1973 and arguably the 70s. And it drifted out of print on LP from... 80 to 17 or thereabouts. It's kind of insane. I'm glad it's back in print because it's a wonderful record. It's a fun one, man. It is a fun one. And side two opens up with uh, probably one of the most fun songs, if not the most fun song on the record. Oh my, my. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a goofy title too. It sounds like it's, yeah, it's got like a sitcom vibe. Like, oh my my, like some catchphrase from like a Three's Company thing or something. Like Al from Happy Days, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever the Fonz brings his motorcycle into the restaurant, he's like, oh, the Fonz. Oh, oh my my, my. With the laugh. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorite Ringo songs ever billy preston's piano you always think how great his organ and electric piano is but his piano pounding on this is some of the best i've ever heard on record billy preston's piano is that great yeah man this whole song is so fun it's energetic this song was also a hit this made number five on billboard and He didn't do this in concert ever until like 2008. And there's a fun bit when on the Live of the Greek album, he's like, I shouldn't have done it live. It's too many words. If I'd known, I would never have done it live. I would have written it to me slower. It's pretty funny. I got to tell you, when I wrote that song, I had no idea I'd be going live with it. 
And if I'd have known that, I'd have only written half the words. Man, it never stops. Yeah, man, it was a top five hit written by Ringo and Vinny Poncia. Ringo and Keltner on drums, Klaus on bass with some fun zoops at the end. Like the way he plays his bass is very uh, zoopy at the end. Yeah, he's a, he's an old school zooper, and someone had to finally say, "Hey, Klaus, no zoop for you." <laughs> Tom Scott on the oh sax. no, Klaus is the zoop Nazi. <laughs> you know something? No zoop for you. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. How will this affect his ranking as uh, in the seventh Beatle bracket coming up in March? I don't know. The Zoop Nazi. <laughs> Klaus Foreman, of course. <laughs> Tom Scott is playing sax on this. Martha Reeves and Mary Clayton. Yeah. On backing vocals. Badass. Yeah, man. To me, this is like one of those quintessential 70s songs. It's like it could be in a Dom DeLuise movie. It's a song about boogieing they talk about the genre of music <laughs> in it it's fun it's kind of meaningless it's kind of like hey we're adults you know we survived 1968 we've got kids let's throw them in front of a tv set with a bag of potato chips and we'll go out to the discotheque and boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> i don't give a fuck that's <laughs> exactly what this is so i phoned up my doctor to see what's the matter the doctor was like fuck, come on that. over he's like do i have to yeah, you have to. Yeah, this I, I totally agree. This is the quintessential 70s song, Tony. And something, uh, there's a bit of a Beatle conspiracy theory. You ready here? Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. We haven't had a conspiracy in a while. Okay. I don't know if it's a, wait, it could be Beatle conspiracy theory or it's breaking Beatles news. I don't know. Untitled Beatles podcast exclusive. Take a big whiff. On the 2007 compact disc release photograph, Ringo's <laughs> Greatest Hits, they chop off the count-in. Just like they do on coming up on All the Best and Wingspan and McCartney 2 reissue. One, two, they chop off the live at Glasgow count-in. Something's going on with the Beatles people where they're chopping count-ins off remasters and it needs to be exposed. Yeah. They don't want us to know about the numbers, huh? They want us to know the name and look up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, Tony, because uh, this on Blast From Your Past was one of my favorite songs. And then the Ringo album, I had the 45 of this. Hearing this without the one, two, three, four piano chord, just starting with the piano chord is weird. And it begs yeah. the question, why? Why? Why chop it off? What does it save? Yeah, as, as far as I know, those countins, that's part of the song. Yeah. You know, I saw her standing one, there. One, two, three, four. Yeah, can you imagine not having, I mean, maybe Oh My My, not as cold. How come Oh My My ain't on the new Red Album remix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's just interesting to me, but this is uh, one of my favorite Ringo tunes. The only other little bit of trivia I have here is Ben Folds, who I love and producer Casey loves, does a cover of this at a Ringo tribute in L.A. Uh, wow. That is, Ben Folds has done a few uh, Beatles tunes. He's done Honey Don't. You say you will when you won't Tell me you do, baby, when you don't Let me know, honey, how you feel Tell the truth now, is love real? Oh, honey, don't Obviously Carl Perkins' tune, but he's done Golden Slumbers Golden Slumbers fill your eyes This is not Ben Fold's best moment. It's kind of real oh. messy, and it's... <laughs> I'm a huge, he's my number two, and it's a hard listen. Now if you should slow down, and you're feeling low down, don't call up your doctor, just grab you a partner. It's what you've been missing, I've got your prescription, this boogie-woogie melody. Hey! Oh my, my. 
I will say, this is one of those songs, I, I think I was saying this in the previous episode, it's like Ringo can get away with things that no one else can. You know what I mean? Totally. I can't imagine anyone else really singing this song and like getting away with it without it coming off being kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, it like doesn't fit. Like Ringo doesn't need to put on a costume to do this. Ringo is the costume that can pull this off. It's, it's true. It's the beauty of Ringo. <laughs> yeah. How many drummers? Keith Moon can't do this. Charlie Watts can't do this. Maybe LeVon Helm could do a different iteration of this. Yeah, because there's kind of a New Orleans kind of vibe about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil Peart couldn't do this. <laughs> John Bonham, but it's true, Tony, that the drummer of the greatest Chuck Biscuits, <laughs> Anton Fig, Robo, uh, the guy with uh, who, who's missing a hand in his tooth. Oh, Rick Allen, Rick yeah, Def Leppard, that guy. Well, also Ike and Tina. Bette Midler. Can I boogie? Can I boogie? What kind of asshole question is that? And the Finnish band Kirka. Have also covered this song, TJ, so... There you go. Uh, it's funny you mention that. I had a buddy who used to work security for Kirka. <laughs> oh? Yeah. He was a Kirka guard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's that's collegiate dad humor right there, man. That's some collegiate dad humor. Oh, boy. It's humor. fun being elitist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's followed up by uh, a light country tune penned by Ringo himself called Step Lightly. Step lightly You're moving too fast Take your time, boy Soon the pain will pass In the meantime to find yourself a love that's gonna last. What do you think of this one? Only song on the album written exclusively by Ringo. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have uh I have written down, don't pass me by in the dentist's waiting room. <laughs> oh, oh. Says Cream Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I get my barbs, you know. <laughs> I make my $15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this the only thing that saves this one, and I would think you, me, and Rick Rubin would all be aligned, is it's saved by the dancing feet. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, there's some fun stereo panned tap dancing uh -huh. happening on there. Yeah. This is the one that Steve Cropper plays guitar on. Of all the tracks, this is the one Steve Cropper gets. <laughs> Booker T, Otis Redding, Sam and Dave, Rufus Thomas, and Step Lightly by Ringo. <laughs> Better than anything Sam and Dave ever did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this Yeah, this could have been on Boku of Blues, to be quite honest. And, you know, he likes country. This is, he wrote it. He likes country music. I feel that this song kind of moseys into... And out of this record without much notice. Yeah, this is one that is difficult to remember. The riff's not real great in this. It sounds a little like Deep Blue, the Harrison B-side. There's a there's a Deep Blue feel, except that song's well-written. When the sunshine is not enough to make me feel bright It's got me suffering in the darkness So easy come by on the yeah and that one's about his mom and that one that one has personal connections to to george yeah yeah this one is a, yet again yeah it's just a, yeah it's a fun ringo song <laughs> uh 
he did a cover of this on the album Ringo 2012. Is that right? Tony, mm. guess when that album came out? <laughs> 2012. You've got it, my man. <laughs> they should name every artist should just have to tell their album be the year it came out because then you always know. Yeah, he basically took the country out of this. He added the, the uh, more electric piano, but uh. he he redid this on that album and it was kind of pointless. <laughs> Step lightly. You're moving too fast. Take your time, boy. Soon the pain will pass in the meantime You gotta find yourself a love that's gonna last This is probably the most pointless song on the record. But, yeah, but we still love him. You're taking Raymond over this? No, I'm taking this over Raymond, but Raymond has more of a point. You just don't like <laughs> that point's too sea shanty for you. Yeah, yes, yeah. Full disclosure, my mom is like, she says Scotch-Irish, but for some reason I can't get into like river dance music and Mull of Kintyre, you know, but I love going over there. So don't kill me when I, next time I go. You make up for it because you love Give Ireland back to the Irish parentheses version. <laughs> Thank you. See, I'll be playing that on my uh, boombox on my shoulders when I arrive <laughs> in Ireland. On a loop. <laughs> on a loop, man. On a loop. Well, speaking of. <laughs> this next song is so awesome. It's six o'clock. So Ringo coaxed Paul into contributing a song by saying, you don't want to be left out, do you? So there you go, Ringo. Ringo using his Ringo pull. And when he comes to town, I wonder if he'll play with me became you better fucking play with me. It's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I'm listening to the song over and over again, what I keep writing down is this is Paul McCartney's greatest song. How come this one ain't in the lyrics? I mean, I, I love this song so much. The Moog, the synthesizer. I love those. It's the 70s version of the French horn solo in For No One. You feel me, Alan Civil? <laughs> yes, yeah, Civil. You've been replaced by a robot <laughs> called Mr. Moog. <laughs> and Mr. Moog would be replaced later by Wix. Surprisingly Wix. Surprisingly Wix, yeah. <laughs> it's too chicago for me. Wix, Wix, surprisingly Wix, where you get more than you pay for. Tony, I mean, first off, this song's brilliant on so many levels. The Moog, it's a terribly misogynistic song. It's all Ringo admitting that he treats her like shit and won't change. Yeah, yeah. It's old school, right? Hey, you. Uh, there's an Elvis song like, if you're going to love me, love the life I lead. <laughs> Well, I will say this, man, like this song sounds like a Paul song. I'm hearing some personality in this song, yeah. which I like, I feel like I haven't heard a lot of personality in a while on this record. It's a lot of that kind of good times Ringo stuff. So this is cool to hear like, oh, this is like a Beatles sound in this record. I dig it. Yes. Tony Moog aside, this sounds like it could be on Ram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's got a it's not backseat in my car, but it's got a it's just got this sweeping lush storytelling. I've just I've forgotten how much I love this song. And it's buried. It's in the middle of side two. Totally buried. Yeah, man. Yeah. I also think this could fit on the Ogner Rats soundtrack too. Uh, yes, it totally could. <laughs> Originally five minutes 
then 26 seconds and cut down to 405, as Billy Joel would say. It was a beautiful song, but it ran too long. If they're gonna have a hit, I gotta make it fit. So they cut it down to 305. But the long version did appear on promo LPs and some cassettes and eight tracks. Yeah, and what's very weird is when it made its digital debut, it was not a bonus track on the Ringo CD. They stuck it on Goodnight Vienna, along with Back Off Boogaloo. Were right. on the were Goodnight Vienna bonus tracks, which made very little sense. <laughs> I, I concur. Yeah. But yeah, that definitely does the whole Paul McCartney one more time. You think the song's over and then like, oh, no, it's not over. We're going to do it again. Yeah. And that that is a backseat of my car thing. Maybe that's where the Ram yeah. thing comes in and the strong right. Linda harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. I love the song. Also, my one of my favorite moments in this, in the short version, the album version, Ringo finally replaces should. This is like an improv lesson. You don't hmm. say you should. You say you could. You could. Yeah. And Ringo replaces it. With, lesson. Totally. I don't treat you like I could. And then sad moog note. It ends on a sad moog note. It's so good. But I don't treat you like I no, I don't treat you like I could. There you go, man. There you go. Yeah, that. Yeah, this one's a winner. I, I like this one a lot. So this is the big question I have. Maybe people, the research I did, I did not see this. Is Paul McCartney singing while Klaus Vormann's playing bass? Because I'm not talking mouth harp like you're 16, but... Klaus Vormann plays bass on the song. You're certain of that? Yeah. Klaus, sure, well, it says it on the album cover. It? Okay. Capital, don't lie. Because this was recorded at Abbey Road. So did, did Klaus fly out then to, you know, Abbey Road to do it? Or? It says bass is Klaus Vormann. Okay. Backing vocals, Linda and Paul. Strings and flutes arranged by Paul. Yeah. And it's credited to Paul and Linda McCartney. Okay. I, yeah, I guess th this would have been the one time for some reason, unless they got it wrong. I was I would always feel like Paul, this would be one of those songs Paul played everything on it, you know, uh, with Linda on keys, maybe. Next up, man, Devil Woman, written by Vinnie Poncia and Evil Ringo. So, dude, this is the B-side to uh, Year 16. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one side is You're 16, You're Beautiful, You're Mine. The other is The Only Way I'll Get You is to get you in bed. Yeah. Your eyes are green and your legs are long. And if I'm gonna get you well, I gotta be strong. But you're like the devil with holes in your head. The only way I'll get you is to get you in bed. Devil woman, go like a stranger to me. Devil woman, this ain't the way. There's also some references to like beating you up and stuff in there too. So anyway, it's one of these, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be like, this is like a Vegas, like bad boy, pre-bad I want to beat you up and then I want to be kind. It is cruel to be kind, Ringo Kershaw. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a funny song. Yeah, this to me, I, I get like uh, Siegfried and Roy vibes off of this one. Yeah. <laughs> With a, There's a sexy Sadie reference. Yes, uh, that makes... <laughs> dude, this song is the glass onion of this record. <laughs> sexy Sadie, you look like the devil to me. Yeah, and Sunshine Life for me is the revolution number nine. Yeah. <laughs> or, I, I, I totally agree with you. Or the Julia <laughs> Potato Potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this song is another one of those songs that's of its time. I wonder if being out of print, you know, this record being out of print for so long almost in a way made sense because some of these songs can only exist in the 70s. There's, there's some expiration dates on these. What a great point, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this actually, although it was out of print for such a long time, this spawned one of the early mashups. I don't know if you remember early internet when they were doing Sympathy for the Devil Woman. <laughs> Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul of faith. Yeah, you a star, my star. Yeah, uh, Tony, do you know who's playing horns on this? Do your notes tell you? 
No, man, give it to me. Tom Scott and longtime Anaheim Angels pitcher Chuck Finley. <laughs> oh, yeah, he later became a manager. Wow, I didn't know he played on this. <laughs> Chuck Finley. Oops. Huh. My, my bad. It's no, it is Chuck Finley. I was trying to do a bit and I did do the bit. <laughs> yeah. And Dusty Baker played the organ, I think, on this too. Which is not easy with a toothpick in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't have too much else to say. Well, it segues right into the next song. What's neat is there's no separation. It's almost like Devil Woman is the golden slumbers to you and me, babe, as carry that weight. <laughs> sure, sure. Now I want to tell you the pleasure really was mine. Yes, I had a good time. And it should be noted that on some pressings that there was a gap because I believe the gap was made because you and me, babe was being considered for a single. And so at one point in the process, they, they unstuck the songs and wow, it, okay. it remained that way on a few pressings. Uh, I think on some CDs and stuff, it's like that, but on other CDs, it overlaps like you were saying. Well, thanks, Tony. I won't spend my whole night on an edible researching how to buy it on Discogs. Why would I do that? I'm a dad. DJ Shadow must collect all the records. Hey, man, I want to shout out yeah. Mal Evans on this song because yes. he co-writes it. And as I'm reading in the, the Living the Beatles Legend, the Kenneth Womack book, Mal was just trying so hard to break out of the mold of roadie, assistant, stage manager. He wanted to be a producer. He want, he was so into Badfinger when they were the Ivies. He was trying to, cha he was championing them and no one cared until finally like, oh yeah, they can do my come and get it. Anyway, so he finally gets this shot to have one of his songs like made into something and uh, it's cool, man. With uh, total musical tips of the hat to Badfinger. Oh, my God. It's got which George. I'm pretty sure George produced day after day. And the horn section moments here follow that same descending day after day riff. Totally. Man. Yeah, totally. Now I want to tell you the pleasure. That might have been his little love letter to Badfinger because he wanted to produce them. He wanted to be their producer and he got like iced out. And it was this big, weird, sad, bitter thing. And so this is him kind of saying he still loved them. And anyway, I, I like this. It's Mal Evans and George as the writers. And I like the songwriting on this. It takes some turns that aren't pedestrian. And I think that's why I quite like this one. Yes, it's a melding of George Harrison, who's known for wacky chord changes and a non-musician who's been around brilliant musicians fusing their <laughs> their ideas together. I mean, there's a marimba. It's kind of a Jimmy Buffett song. Yeah, it kind it's of, a weird song. It's, it kind of feels like Goodnight from the White Album where he begins to talk. Yes. And he he yeah. na name drops all the other Beatles. I'd forgotten about this. We, we have so much to pull from of Ringo just name checking people. <laughs> well, it's the end of the night. I'd just like to say thank you to everyone involved in this piece of plastic we're making. Good old Jim Calfer, Klaus Ball, Nicky Hopkins, George Harrison, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Richard Perry for producing this masterpiece, Bill Schnee, ever smiling, ever welcome, Billy Ponsadero, and all his other friends, <laughs> and everyone else who joined in and helped us on this wonderful record. So it's a big good night from your friend and mine, Ringo Starr. Yeah, it's like the, the rolling credits on a film, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny little song. So I will, full disclosure, Mal Evans started writing this song in Rishikesh with the Beatles. Mm. And the original title was, I'm not going to move. 
<laughs> so it's kind of like this literal interpretation of uh, it's kind of a meditation song, which is this is the Mal Evans idea of meditation in L.A. in the 70s. I'll be in some nightclub getting high. <laughs> That's no lie, he says. No lie. And yeah. it almost what's sad is it presages most of 70s Ringo before he sobered up. It's, yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely hitting the sauce during the, these recordings. This is the beginning of the Lost Weekend, uh, all that, you know. We forgot to mention in the last episode, what does he yell at the very end of Your 16? Oh, he starts, oh. He starts singing, what should we do with a drunken, with a drunken sailor? sailor? Yeah, yeah, he says that twice. Then at the end of Oh My My, I'm pretty sure he says... Hang on, baby, I'm ready to die. I didn't hear that. That's yeah. wild. At the end of my hang on, baby, I'm ready to die. I'm pretty sure I heard that. And then Kevorkian used this briefly for <laughs> a series of Detroit area commercials. <laughs> After the Pistons got swept. Fuck you, Isaiah. And I'm not even a Jordan fan. Now, you mentioned before the game that you wanted to stamp out Detroit and stop that kind of play. What was that about? Well, we just wanted to play clean basketball, even though they were going to try to you know, maybe dirty it up. But we were going to keep our composure and play the game of basketball. Like we, we know how to play And uh, I think we held our heads We really didn't let them get us out of our game And uh, we kept our poise and did what we had to do Well it's a great end to the record With him with the rolling credits saying goodnight Thanking everybody except Mal Poor Mal didn't get credit Of course <laughs> Of course of course. it's the story story of his life Mal Evans But yeah It's a great record There's a few unreleased tracks I wanted to mention Something called Piccadilly. I couldn't find it. I don't know what it is, but it was registered with Piccadilly, talk a little Piccadilly, talk a little bit, 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 talk a little, pick a little more. Piccadilly, 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 Piccadilly. I would have loved to have heard the Ringo version of that. Can you imagine Keltner on that? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, there's another uh, song called You're Thinking of Me, completely written by Mal Evans. It was something he was working on with Klaus in 71 during the sessions with Derek and Lon Von Eaton. Mal suggested it on day one after like they recorded the first song. Have you seen my baby? Mal was like, the, and I guess they, they recorded it, but I've never heard it. Couldn't find it. I want to hear it. Uh, may, you really haven't heard it. I'll send it to you. I've got the 50th anniversary box set of this, which actually has Mal Evans playing an anvil on you and me, babe. And that <laughs> sounds like this. And then, of course, Tony, there's Down and Out, which is the B-side to photograph. That's got Gary Wright on piano. That was done during the Living in the Material World sessions per the Bruce Spizer Beatles on Apple Book. Looked in the fire, what did I see? I saw someone looking at me and I'm down, down and out. Well, I'm down, so down, down and out. All right, Gary. And uh, this song's not very good. Down and out is... <laughs> <laughs> not to yeah. be confused with the Lennon, the great Lennon tune on Walls and Bridges. This is not a good song. It, it's not. No. Yeah. It's like one of those like Dudley Moore comedy theme song movies. He looked at the sky. He looked at the fire. TJ, he even looked in the fridge and he saw <laughs> he saw someone looking back at him. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, Tony, the fridge <laughs> produced this album. <laughs> 72. Richard Perry. <laughs> Richard Perry. Yeah. Well, of course. It wasn't 73 when the album came out. <laughs> My name is Perry, but they call me the fridge. I play football so hard. I make the other teams cringe when I first arrived. They laughed at my weight, but they saw me play and knew I was great. Yeah, man. What can we say? What can we say? Overall, I think this is his best album. It contains his greatest song, in my opinion. I think in most people's opinion. Step Lightly. <laughs> Step Lightly. Yes, of course. Step Lightly. <laughs> Forgettable Country. <laughs> You don't talk about America that way. You don't call your fraternity a frat, so you don't call your country a, I'll let you fill it in. Yeah, that's, that's good logic. Good logic, sir. 
Uh, but it, you know, it's the closest thing we got to a Beatles reunion in John's lifetime. And then maybe some dated filler that only Ringo could get away with. Yeah, it is a shame that he was never able to replicate it. They tried a couple times and they could never replicate the formula. Goodnight Vienna was pretty decent, but that was basically it for Ringo with EMI. After Blast in the Past, he had just went to different label after different label. But this album deserves notoriety. I don't believe there's been a CD remaster of this since the original pressing in 92. So you got to wonder if there's going to, or excuse me, 91. There, I wonder if there'll be some kind of proper remaster of this. It helps validate Ringo as a performer, as to some extent, a songwriter, as a drummer. You know, it. one thing I want to say before we wrap, Tony, to play along with Keltner on his own album, you don't think most rock drummers would be like, hey, man, I'm playing drums. It's just me. Part of what made Ringo so great was how selfless he was and wanted to play with other people. This is not him and Keltner just teaming up on someone else's record. He brought Jim Keltner in to augment him on an album that bears his name. I think that's an underrated element of Ringo Starr. His selflessness allowed him to be the Beatle he was, the drummer he was, and to make this great album. I think we don't talk about that enough when it comes to Ringo. Now, TJ, I'm reading here in Eight Arms to Hold You that there was a remastering done by Steve Hoffman in August of 1994. Hold on. There was a gold disc. Yes, there was a a DCC digital. Yes, there's a gold disc. I mean, God damn it. I don't have it. I do have the Steve Hoffman band of the run. Oh, you don't have it. I don't have this one. I've looked for it. That came when I was in college. I couldn't afford it back then. Still can't, but I might get it at some point. Yeah, that was the one remaster done of this, but EMI is not repressed, at least not in the States. There you go. What are you you fact checking me? Would would you throw a flag? I did throw a flag. Do I keep my time out? More football references next week. Big game. That won't have the Bears in it. How could you ever love a team with Jim McMahon? Not even Porky Pig was as big a ham. They got a reputation that's mostly based on luck. The Bears still suck. Yeah, Tony, this to me is Ringo's best solo album and certainly one of the best solo uh, Beatles albums ever made. Whether it's the best solo Beatles album of 73 is debatable, but the fact that you can even say that and be taken seriously is quite a compliment to this masterpiece. Five fabs. There you go. I give it four. Uh, You're saving five for bad boy. I know it. (laughs) Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 